What is up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Friday, August 6th, the day before. It's uh, Draftsmas Eve for me. Going up to New York City for the Fantasy League of Experts. That's a great name right there. The Flex Leagues that are put together by my good friend Jake Seeley, of course. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Jake and I will be doing a weekly YouTube show uh, for Bets TV on Wednesdays. Wednesdays 3 to 4. Like right now we're talking about everything draft related, but during the season we'll be doing rankings, uh, like a rankings review show. I uh, love love Jake, very smart guy and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this year, but first draft of the year, it's upon us. My first auction draft of the year is actually next weekend. So we're going to talk a little auction strategy today, but of course, before we get into that, we actually have football to talk about as well. Now, I know it's the Hall of Fame game. And we didn't see all of the biggest players, but we did see a couple big players, big name players for fantasy football purposes. So let's do some key takeaways here. Obviously not seeing the likes of Ben Roethlisberger, Dak Prescott, who's still actually dealing with an injury and they're kind of taking their time with him. Amari Cooper dealing with an injury, no CeeDee Lamb in this one, no Ezekiel Elliott. So most of the big names out of there, but a guy who very likely will go in the second round of redraft leagues in your home leagues this year, Najee Harris. He was on the field, and in fact, uh, he was on the field for every single snap with the first-team offense, and I'm defining the first-team offense in this game. I mean, granted, they were largely second-stringers, but the first-team offense in this game, as long as Mason Rudolph was in, right? Mason Rudolph played 18 snaps in this game. Najee Harris played 18 snaps in this game. In other words, he was a three-down guy. And no, there wasn't anything incredible in this contest from Najee Harris. He didn't break the internet, didn't break Twitter last night, but he did have a, a, a nice first down run. He showed a sort of a little bit of hesitation on the first down run, and if you squinted just a little bit, you might have seen Le'Veon Bell in that run. Uh, I think there's a lot of comparison between the two. I've said that all along, and we know how good that was for fantasy football purposes. Let's not forget the, the year that Bell was suspended he missed four games and was still the number three fantasy running back. I mean, he was phenomenal in that offense, and I think they're going to use him, uh, Harris, that is, in a very, very similar way. We also saw Chase Claypool making some big-time plays in this one. Now, he was a little dinged up uh, after uh, a diving uh, attempt, but regardless, Mike Tomlin said he'd be uh, he's going to be just fine. Uh, we saw a little bit of Deontay Johnson in this one, but it was more Chase Claypool. I did think it was interesting. Claypool got a little extra run here. I don't know how much we're going to read into that, but he was good. He was very good on the field. Uh, we also got to see a little bit of Michael Gallup, who's moving around a little bit more. Michael Gallup in the slot could mean more outside work for CeeDee Lamb, which then does now become more appealing for CeeDee Lamb. That was one of the drawbacks that I had with Lamb in general. If he's going to be in the slot too much, then eh, caps his upside. If he's going to be outside, though, ooh-ooh. So C.D. Lamb, every bit a front-end wide receiver, too, even though we didn't see him in this contest. Um, Simi Fajoko got on the field. I'm, I, I just, it's the Jeff Janis-like skill set that, to me, or, or not skill set, but profile that, to me, is so appealing about Simi Fajoko, but he does have a little bit of ways to go. Uh, he was on the field a bunch in this contest, but as of right now, he's just a deep dynasty guy. No major takeaways. I think just legitimately the number one thing I would say is if you were trying to poo-poo the idea of Najee Harris, uh, I think last night kind of showed you might be a little wrong. Just saying. 
Just saying. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, obviously more preseason coming up uh, next week, and that's when we really dive into it full force. But I did want to talk a little bit about auction dra- draft strategy because I do get asked these questions all the time uh, about you know some general tips because, hey, it's not the most common format out there. And I know going into an auction for the first time especially, you may have no clue what to do. It's, it's different than snake drafts. And I'm not going to make the argument... Oh, snake drafts are checkers and auction draft is chess. No, you if you think that snake drafts are checkers and you're not playing hard enough, I think, ultimately. Both have their appeal. Both are different. So what I like to do first and foremost is establish, well, my auction values, which of course you can get those over at ftnfantasy.com. These are market values based on a $200 budget, which is the most common But if you have a different budget, all you do is just use percentages. I think that's probably the best way to approach your your budget. And then I want to allocate what I'm going to spend of that budget, not on my starters, but on my positions. You know, sometimes people will look at spending on starters and then, you know, whatever's left over for the bench. I actually want to spend at positions and, and allocate my budget that way. So if you're talking about a regular league, which in today's fantasy football, here's a regular league. One quarterback, two running back, three wide out, one tight end, one flex. That's common. If you have a defense and kicker, cool, but you're only going to spend a dollar on them anyway. So here's how I allocate my budget for that format. I'm going to spend 5% on quarterback, 40 40 to 45% on running back, 40 to 45% on wide receiver, and 10% on tight end. Now, of course, if I have right now my my auction value for Travis Kelsey is like forty five bucks. My market value on him uh, that is way more than ten percent. You know, I would max out at twenty dollars at tight end. So I'm simply not going to spend for Travis Kelsey in that format. I'm going to let somebody else do it. Just straight up, somebody else can do it. I'm not going to spend on him. I'm not going to spend on Patrick Mahomes, who for me is like a twenty five dollar valuation. that means I'm maxing out at $10. I know it's maybe not the approach that some people might want to take. However, I have observed this. When you have people spending on Patrick Mahomes, when they spend on uh, Josh Allen, when they spend on Kyler Murray, when they spend on Dak or Lamar, that means that there are other quarterbacks who, like the Matthew Staffords of the world, who are actually going to probably go cheaper than they should later in drafts. So allocate... That is very, very important right there. Uh, Make sure that you have that. Now, it's not a hard and fast, absolutely, this is what you spend no matter what, but it is a good uh, starting spot to enter your draft with. Like, if you go 6% on quarterback, okay, big deal, right? Uh, You go 39% on running back, all right, you saved a little bit of money there, you can spend it elsewhere. All right, so I have some more tips coming for you here right after the break. in any fantasy football draft, it's really important to know the tendencies of your league. And it's not only just for drafts, it's things like fab. I've talked about this many times in the past, but I have one fab league where people are aggressive. They will spend 50 to 75% of their fab on a player early in the season if that player looks like he could be a difference maker. I'm in another league where if somebody spent 50 to 75%, that would be absolutely insane. Like the most they will spend is maybe 10%. Now, it's a real money league, too, so you're fab. You actually have to buck buck up at the end of the year. But I know that tendency. I can exploit it. Same thing with drafts. Know the people in your drafts. In auctions, know if they nominate players, if they're going to actually bid on those players or not. 
if they mix that up, if they get really aggressive, if they spend a ton on running back. If you have folks spending $80 on Christian McCaffrey in a $200 budget, <laughs> so be it. They're wasting a little bit of their, their budget there at the top end, and they're going to have less ammunition to fight against you when it comes to grabbing value. So just make sure that you know the tendencies of your league. Uh, I mentioned nominations. Uh, my nomination strategy early on, I'm going to go, I'm going to nominate players who I don't want, but are very popular players who I know that the league will want. So for example, Travis Kelsey, I'm going to put him up early in a draft. I would put Darren Waller up. I'd put George Kittle up. Uh, and I'm not going to go after those guys. I would put up, you know, maybe McCaffrey, some of the top running backs if I have the opportunity to, because they're probably going to go more than I want to spend. However, I don't keep that strategy through the entire draft. As you get to the midpoint, especially if people recognize that you're basically not bidding on anybody who you nominate, you can certainly slide in and nominate somebody and potentially get them on the cheap. So it's really about mixing up your approach and trying to keep your opponents on their toes. Those who are actually paying attention, because there are some people in auctions who won't pay attention to that sort of thing. They will uh, just be paying attention to their own team. And again, that's like, you know, even if for, for snake drafts, pay attention to what your opponents are doing. Ain't about you, dog. It's about what your opponents are doing, right? Tiers are very important in any draft as well, but especially important in auctions because it tells you your sort of breaking points and where you want to spend and where you don't want to spend, right? So I will set it up with tiers. I would prefer, unlike in a snake draft where it's often bet you get better value at the bottom of the tier, I would prefer to be at the top of the tier in auction drafts. Why? Well, because once the tier starts to dry up, there is a little bit of panic that ensues and players go for a little bit more, especially like not the top tier running backs. Uh, it, and, and if you have five in your top tier this year, that's fine. Uh, if you don't just subdivide McCaffrey and Cook, if you also include Kamara, Henry and Zeke, maybe Aaron Jones. After that, that next group, when that next group dries up at the bottom end of that tier, you're going to see some you know, you're going to see some high spending on those players where, you know, your opponents are going to overspend on those guys. I don't want to do that. I don't want to overspend. So I know that that's at the bottom of my tier. I probably stay away at that point and attack elsewhere. So make sure you come in with, with tiers. I will have my tiers with my market values on them. So it's just one sheet, one reference sheet. It's nice and easy uh, that way. I do like to spend. I'm not afraid to spend, but I don't want to overspend. You know, I will I will bid uh you know bid up on a player to price enforce at times. Uh, I will go you know hey there's been times where I will price enforce on a on a player where I'm going up to like 75 maybe 80 percent of my market value on a guy. So if I have like a forty dollar, I would go up to thirty thirty two dollars on that player. And if I scoop the player like if if nobody else bids, okay, I just got a huge deal on that player. Even if I don't love the player. I mean, a $40 value on that player is still pretty hefty, so it's a pretty solid player. I, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, upset about that. And so, so you do have to price and force at times. You, you certainly uh, can spend on players. You certainly can, if you really want Christian McCaffrey, heck, go 65 bucks on him, but don't go 90 Because if you spend all that extra money, that's less money than that you can use for other players. Uh, also, you know, make sure you know the maximum bid that your opponent has. Here's an easy way to calculate that. Uh, you take one, you add it to their budget remaining, and then you subtract the roster amount, your roster spots they have to fill. 
So uh, if you have if they have twenty five bucks left, but they have six roster spots to fill, uh, the most they could spend would be twenty dollars. Right? Quick math, right there. Getting outbid is going to be part of the process. If you get outbid, don't worry about it. It does happen from time to time, and honestly, it's going to happen in every single in every single auction. Just like in a snake draft, you can't get too emotional about things because that's going to cause you to make mistakes. So just realize, okay, it's going to happen. Oh, oh well. There is no player you absolutely must have. You know, you can get any guy, and if you miss out on one guy, there's going to be other players who you can go after. And just remember that if you if you do get outbid, now you still have that ammunition to use on another player. Now, I will say, though, that I have noticed plenty of folks in drafts who've gotten outbid and they don't take well to it. This happens in any draft. I always recommend monitoring the emotion in the room, making sure you're paying close attention to what people are doing, uh, how they look. And then their their actions and slash reactions after the fact. And if you see somebody who gets emotional, you can take advantage of it. Now, they're not going to be outwardly emotional. They're not going to be screaming and yelling. But they may be inwardly emotional and you know they're on tilt. You know, that's, again, another snake draft tip as well. This doesn't just apply to auction drafts. If there's emotion in the room and you can take advantage of it, then seize the opportunity. You know, it's the psychological element of of drafting that is so vitally important. And then finally, uh, the last thing, you know, I don't want to leave any money on the table, but I also don't want to spend more than a dollar on kicker or defense. So you're going to min those guys if you if you have them. That's a $1. You do not need the best defense. You do not need the best kicker because every stinking year who we think is the best defense and kicker in fantasy draft season doesn't end up being the best kicker or defense. Just always remember that, right? You don't you can stream both positions all the time. Even if your entire league is streaming, you'll still be fine. Trust me on this one. You'll still be fine. So if you haven't done an auction draft, oh, and the other thing too I would recommend, this isn't a strategy tip, but this is just a general auction tip. Don't be the auctioneer if you are in the draft. You don't want that headache right there. Uh, hire an auctioneer. Uh, by hire, I mean give your friend a case of beer to do it or something. Somebody who isn't in the league and somebody who's done it before because it really helps to have somebody else doing all of that so that you can pay attention to everything that's going on. Don't fall asleep during your auction draft. Pay attention to everything that's going on. Don't fall asleep in any draft. Pay attention to everything that's going on, but it's especially tough to do so when the action is coming hard and heavy in auction drafts all right that's gonna wrap it up for me today enjoy the weekend i'll catch you on the flip side in the meantime of course hit me up on twitter at jeff ratcliffe on instagram at jeff ratcliffe and of course use that hashtag rat pack that way i know you're a listener of this podcast and don't forget ftnfantasy.com promo code rat pack all right i'll catch you on the flip side i'm jeff ratcliffe and i'm out 